0: Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised.
1: You are listening to Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends... Chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their My worst, worst Minnesotan accent. accents. Louisville accent. Oh, <laughs> don't jinx it. <laughs> mm, TBD. Okay, so. uh, This we Oh, fuck, I'm Kenyan.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was just sitting quietly waiting. Uh, I'm Lucy. <laughs> and I'm Amanda, and it's basically just... The intro is Kenyan saying, "Oh fuck, I'm Kenyan." <laughs> uh-huh.
1: I think I need to start putting it in the notes. I think you need to, and let Amanda I'm- highlight
0: them. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Special things <laughs> has been going a lot
1: smoother. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> so it's not patronizing. But it I comes love from it. a place of love, and you absolutely fucking need it during special <laughs> yeah. things. So there's no getting around it.
1: <laughs> well. It's what it's. Okay. It's not
0: condescending when someone with a condition needs their medication. So think of it that way. You just Shelby (laughs) drink your juice. You have a condition during special thanks of (laughs) never knowing when it's your turn.
1: I panic, okay? Yeah,
0: and I'm helping.
2: Appreciate me. It's the wine. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Wine and fine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm wine. I'm fine.
0: The, con- the oh, no. podcast it's where spine. we passive-aggressively attack each other.
2: <laughs> it's fine. It's the Minnesotan I'm way. I'm fine.
1: <laughs> okay. So this week's episode is a very special fan pick brought to you by MK Hunter. Mm. Mm. And MK really, uh, I love this topic. Really went I for I hate it. it. It's, it's really, okay, so the topic I'm is... I'm already
0: nervous hiccuping. <laughs>
1: yeah, you are. <laughs> the topic is scared shitless. So basically, whatever things, whatever stories, cases really get under our skin and really freak us out personally.
0: And I did not want to, mm-hmm. so I tried... So hard to find a case where someone was literally like scared to death. Mm. <laughs> Couldn't find one. So I was like, fuck, I have to actually understand the assignment and I don't mm-hmm. want to. I know. <laughs> I know.
1: I, I thought about the just assignment doing girl in the box well.
0: again because that's definitely the one that scares me <laughs> yeah. the most, oh, but I'd God. already done it. So. Yep.
1: Well, we will see. But uh, first... What is our wine-crime pairing for Scared Shitless?
0: Mm, We are drinking Wink Wine Club's Forma De Vida Tempranillo. And yes, we have had this before, but this is the 2018 vintage. And previously, we had the 2016 vintage. And we'll talk about that difference just a tiny bit. But if you have not already joined Wink Wine Club, you should. It's an amazing online wine club that literally delivers wine to your door. You do not have to leave your home to get wine, people. This is magic. Um, They have an amazing inventory, and this is a really exciting time to check them out. If you have before and you didn't like pull the trigger and decide to join, they just updated with a ton of new really Mm -hmm. cool wines. So I highly recommend checking it out. Um, you can go to trywink.com forward slash gals. That's dot com forward slash G-A-L-S uh, to get 20 bucks off your first box if you have not already ordered from them before. Uh, and you can order all a cart. carte or you could become a member. I like becoming a member because they make recommendations for you. And if you're kind of new to wine, that's a really fun way to discover things that you may, might not have tried before. So And you get special member pricing. You do. It's pretty mm. tight. So one more time, check out trywink.com forward slash gals. Get that 20 bucks off your first box. Uh, so I thought it would be fun to look up a comparison of 2016 to 2018 vintages. Sorry, I'm still kind of hiccuping, so I'm trying to stop. Uh, I found a very cool chart from wine enthusiasts, which I love. They have such a cool like, perspective on teaching people about wine without it being like super pretentious. So I go to them a lot with a lot of my questions. And I'll put this chart on the drive slash blog. Um, but this chart compares vintage ratings by region all over the world. And as it turns out, 2016 was a pretty amazing year for Central Coast California vineyards, which this Tempranillo comes from a Central Mm. Coast California uh, vineyard. And the ratings, yeah, the ratings for that viticultural region were at 90 or above for, like, all of their red wines, which is super fucking cool for that year. Um, And then according to WineInstitute.org, we can also expect great things for 2018 as well, so I'm super excited to try this bottle. Uh, They say, quote, Vintners reported abundant yields in line with the United States Department of Agriculture's August forecast of 4.1 million tons Of yielded grapes in 2018, which is up 2% from 2017. So 2017 was a little, I know, right, was a little bit (laughs) of a a lull year possibly, but 2018 (laughs) bounced back big time. Um, And it's also above the historical average of 3.9 million tons of yielded grapes. So overall, vintners are enthusiastic about both the quality and quantity of the 2018 vintage. Um, the chart also showed that vintages between 1994 and 2009 are at this point likely very much past their peak. So this is a reminder that wines are really ready to drink once you get them. So the idea of aging is like they kind of already do that for you. Often when you're buying wine, you'll see that it has mm. a vintage within the last like five years or so. Um, but Yeah,
1: you maybe don't want to age wine yourself, yeah, and also you maybe only want to try aging really nice wines would well, be my guess.
0: Yeah. I mean, there are some wines that are going to be heartier for aging, like hearty reds, but rule of thumb is if you really, really, really want to age a bottle, make sure you do it in a cool, dry place away from sunlight. That like 50 to 52 degree sweet spot is where you want to be and drink it within five years of, of when you purchased it. Because at that point, it's just going to be like drinking Easter egg dye. It's not It's not going to be that great. Mm-hmm. So mm. rule of thumb. Um, from this particular bottle, we can expect tasting notes of fresh herbs, plum, red cherry, rosemary. And mm. uh, this bottle clocks in a little higher in ABV at 14.1%. So expect a little buzz, people. Yeah. We're going to need it because...
1: Yeah. Uh, I for one have a very dark case this week.
0: Shocker, oh, yeah. I know. Hard same. Yeah. Hard same. Mm-hmm. So let's pop this bad boy open and just rip off the band-aid of a Kenyan mm. episode. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> All right, let's pop this bad boy. Here we go. Ready. Ooh. Ooh. Oh. Scary pop. What? Yeah. Creepy pop. Shitless pop. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to the shitless <laughs> uh, i cannot wait for oh, anecdotes God. of people pooping their pants here we go
1: all right lucy what is our background and psych for scared shitless <clears throat> all right well as we know
2: fear is a vital evolutionary response that literally keeps us alive. It was a lot more necessary when our ancestors had to deal with life and death situations all the time, what with woolly mammoths and saber-toothed tigers. Mm-hmm. Today, our fear mm. response is triggered by things like public speaking, as- asking someone out on a date, or the mm. cliff scene in *Midsummer*. That that <laughs> <Yeah>. one counts. <laughs>
1: yeah, so good.
2: Modern fears tend to be related to the impression that we make on others, their judgments, and how that affects our self worth. It's like primary modern fears. This is in many ways exacerbated by the internet and social media culture and podcasting.
3: Classic.
2: (laughs) Who knew? Fear can translate into anxiety, hello, which can manifest in a billion different ways, but it is all rooted in this biological fear response. Yeah, like diarrhea. Yeah, (laughs) upset stomach, diarrhea.
1: Side note, just be a response to coffee. But yes, oh, I fear how
2: much I like coffee, but I also fear what it does to my bowels.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Hard
0: same.
2: As a side note, experiencing a fear response that is a direct result of an actual life or death extreme danger can leave lasting trauma on one's psyche even well after the risk has passed. And therapy is crucial to finding healthy ways to cope with and thoroughly understand this response and how to move forward. So hashtag treat your brain. Get a therapist. Mm -hmm. Therapy is crucial, period. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Full stop. Mm Mm-hmm. So I got some fun facts about fear from a Psychology Today article for you. First of all, All fear is healthy. It is necessary. It's hardwired in your brain. So it is a part of normal brain function. If you didn't feel fear, it could be a sign of serious brain damage. And there is an anonymous American patient called SM with a peculiar type of brain damage that prevents her from feeling fear.
0: Oh that's scary. I've
1: read about people like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's S-
2: tough. SM has been studied extensively since 1994 and has been found to have exclusive and complete bilateral amygdala destruction as a result of Urbach-Wiethe disease.
0: Wow. I don't know how to pronounce
2: that. But that Weird. is that is a very rare condition that among other things thickens Tissues and can affect brain function. Interesting. That's like extremely okay. boiled down. There are a bunch of, of symptoms of this b- disease, but that's kind of the gist of it.
1: I was just listening to an episode of this podcast will kill you, which mm-hmm. I I love, it. love. Yeah, that show is
0: so good.
1: And um, they were doing um, an episode on toxoplasmosis. Yes, which yeah, which oh, is. Yeah. Cats are the main carriers, but long story short, like the life cycle of the disease or virus or whatever it is, I clearly, I paid close, close attention to the science. <laughs> um, uh it, Part of it involves like being in small rodents and like, then the cats have to eat the rodent for the last part of the life cycle to be in the cat again. And it the Like, the disease changes the rodents, like, the host's brain. Yeah. And mm-hmm. basically, like, disrupts the rodents' fear response. Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah, the, so they're, so they're not like, afraid super of the casual cats. around so, cats and make them an easy yes. target. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yes!
1: It's including so Including cool. makes them attracted to the smell of cat urine. Yep. 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 I think that's so fucking rad. It's... Wild. Yeah. Oh. So I, yeah, fear response, very important, especially mm-hmm. for rodents, but all living things really. Yeah.
2: Oh, for sure. I didn't get Survival. into toxoplasmosis for this, but I'm really glad you brought that up. And last little tidbit about patient SM. The only times that scientists have gotten her to feel a fear response is by simulating the experience of suffocation.
0: What oh. the fuck?
2: How would they even do that? Carbon uh carbon dioxide inhalation.
0: It just seems like that is too dangerous even in a simulated scenario to to try.
2: Well, I don't know the specifics of how they simulated it, but
0: it was obviously right. very controlled, so That is fucking terrifying and thanks I hate it.
2: It also like instigated a uh like a panic attack response, which to her, it was like really heightened. It was like a really bad panic attack. And for her, that was her first time being afraid. It was the, it was a completely novel experience for her. She had never felt anything close to that sensation before, which is so bizarre. I went in deep on that Wikipedia article. I highly recommend reading it because it's really interesting. She apparently like... Has difficulty reading social cues, which isn't really surprising because a lot of how we navigate through the world is based on f- uh, fear.
1: Yeah, when you think or about it, so. super closely related to other things like even right. even disliking something being awkward. Yeah, is oh, yeah.
0: a fear of rejection. Well, that judgment of others that we talked about, and that portion of your brain serves. A couple of mm-hmm. functions. So like if right. that fear function is not operating properly, then probably other functions are not as well, just in, in that same region.
1: Yeah. So is anxiety when th- your fear function is too heightened, or is it is it technically something else? Uh we'll get to it. We'll get to anxiety. Okay. But yeah, this woman's amygdala
2: is is cut in half. So yeah. half so of it's it can't gonna fuck talk with some to shit. the other. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Damn. It's really That's wild. fucking amazing. I I, I, it's amazing what our brains can, like, continue to persevere through. hmm It just blows my mind. Like, you read these articles about, especially because the young children's brains are so plastic, where they will be born with, like, zero function in an entire half of their brain. Mm-hmm. And a and a surgeon will will literally remove half of their brain, and then the other half just like learns compensates to compensate, and they can live a pretty fucking normal life. That's it's, just unbelievable. To it's me. like
2: that man, Kenyon, You and I found that article about him in the Week a long time ago. Like he had he had Phineas some sort gauge. of no, he had some sort of um like leak, some sort of liquid buildup in his brain, and his brain just kind of like like melted away so his brain itself the functioning part of his brain was just like a tiny little sliver just a fraction of his normal brain so odd but, the, but he was like mm-hmm. in his 40s and mm-hmm. the only yeah. reason he went into the doctor in the first place is because he had like a headache and they did a ca- they did a scan
1: and they were like, "Dude, you've what got like fuck? no brain. <laughs> you
0: have 10% <laughs> <was>
2: like,
1: what? <laughs> of 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 a normal brain size brain function." <laughs> That's and he incredible. was and he was just like living his life like totally but, normal. But it just happened over time so
2: his brain just compensated for it. Right, right. <laughs> oh,
0: I love the imagine human brain. His, I wish I was smarter. Imagine to, like, how validated his it.
2: wife probably felt.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I knew something was wrong with you, Ted.
1: (laughs) I knew you had my headphones. This explains so much. (laughs) Okay. Yes.
2: All right, moving on. Fear can materialize as like a sudden flash or as a constant low-frequency chronic stress expressed as like a free-floating generalized anxiety, constant worry, and daily insecurity, which can seriously harm your physical and mental health over time. So again, treat your brain. Mm Mm-hmm. Sure can. Uh Uh-huh. Generalized anxiety, what's that?
3: (laughs) Never heard of it.
2: (laughs) Uh, Fear is part instinct, part learned, and part taught. So some fears are instinctive, like pain, for example, causes fear because of its implications for survival. Other Mm -hmm. fears are learned. So like we learn to be afraid of certain people, places, or situations because of negative associations and past experiences. Like a near drowning incident might cause you to be afraid of water. Right. And then Mm -hmm. um, other fears are taught. So cultural norms often dictate whether something should be feared or not.
0: Clowns. Oh, my God. Universal clown fear. Or like
2: how certain social groups are feared and persecuted because of a societally created impression that they're dangerous.
0: Right. Mm. You know, Mexicans, Um, all the rapists. Oh, my God, I know. When I was working um, at a theater company called Mixed Blood Theater in Minneapolis, um, it's in a very uh, Somali neighborhood, and I loved bringing my dog to work. So I would bring Callie to work because she's, like, super chill. But then I kind of had to stop because I would have to walk her throughout the day in the neighborhood. And uh, I guess I learned that a lot of Somali folks and in Somali culture, like, dogs are feared in a similar Mm -hmm. way that, like, we are afraid of spiders. Yeah. And so I was on – I didn't fucking know because I'm just a stupid white lady. So I'm, like, walking my dog casually through this neighborhood and people are so freaked out by yeah. her that I was like oh shit so I, I would bring her but there were like very specific areas that I would let her that I would take her to instead of walking her around the block because I'm like I don't want to unnecessarily like imagine if somebody came up to me and like took a handful of spiders out of their pocket and like blew it in my face oh, I would not like just, that
1: or just like <laughs> was walking down the street with like a giant fucking python right or well, 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 they were, they were just like, walking cool. uh, their clown yeah.
0: No, just there you go. Just walking clown. their clown.
1: <laughs> oh, that oh. would be so much worse. Can I you not okay. imagine, I imagine not a clown okay. crawling on the ground with a leash on it and I don't know if it's it. worse
0: if it's on all fours or <laughs> if it's just on two legs with a, with like a leash and a collar oh, on its neck. Worse. It's I don't on, know which one's worse. Worse.
2: It's on stilts.
0: No! (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Fuck you, Lucy. This is mean. (laughs) It's the fear episode. Yeah,
2: Yeah, I know. Again, fear... (laughs) Okay, moving on. Fear is partly imagined, Amanda, and we can blame our highly evolved brains for that bullshit. We begin to fear a range of stimuli that are maybe not at all scary, so it's like conditioned fear, or not even present so that would be anticipatory anxiety. Quote, hmm. some neuroscientists claim that humans are the most fearful creatures on the planet because of our ability to think and learn and create fear in our minds. But this low grade of objectless fear can turn into chronic anxiety about nothing specific and become debilitating.
3: Mm-hmm. So,
2: Kenyon, to answer your question earlier, anxiety is... is Either anticipating future fear, or it's just kind of like a low, a low frequency constant kind of fear. a thing.
1: Yeah. Mm, mm-hmm. um, Mine, I feel like, is anticipatory but frequent. Yeah, I think that. I mean, it's
2: a spectrum, and those can kind of mm-hmm. go hand in hand. I don't know what it is about bookstores that I'm apparently afraid of because I have to shit every single time I go into a bookstore. So do I. That's
1: just
0: excitement. I don't think that's fear. (laughs) That's just how much coffee is in the air. (laughs) (laughs) You're breathing it and it makes you shit. I have never met a Barnes and Noble that I haven't shat in. (laughs) Right? True.
1: Walgreens does it to me too. Mm. Weird. Just
2: a drugstore or like an old, Mm. like a small town, old timey drugstore. Like with an actual pharmacist in the back. Odd. Oh, I'll shit
0: my pants every time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. I'm. I love that we've been friends for so long, and I still get to learn new things about you. Yeah, and we'll get to the hashtag sh- blessed. We'll get <laughs> to the defecation Supply
1: shopping.
2: We'll get to. Oh my god, <laughs> you just triggered yeah. me
0: hard.
1: <laughs> yeah, trapper
2: keepers just release. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> through a through a process called potentiation, your fear response is amplified if you are already in a state of fear. So when you're primed for fear, even harmless events seem scary. So for example, if you're watching a documentary about venomous spiders, and you get a tickle on your neck from like yep. a stray hair on your shirt, you'll freak the yep. fuck out.
1: Or if you see us in theaters in South Africa and then you leave the theater and there are a bunch of parking lot attendants wanting to wash your car wearing matching red jumpsuits. Oh, my no. God. No. Yeah. At midnight. <laughs> yep. I love it. I've never been so terrified.
2: Oh, my God. Okay. Amazing. Amazing. Um, actions motivated by, by fear fall into four types, freeze, fight, flight, or fright. I'm glad I'm not drunk yet. Cause it's really hard to say. That is a tongue mm-hmm. twister. Freeze mm. means that you stop what you're doing and you focus on the fearful stimulus to decide what to do next. And then after that, you choose either fight or flight and you decide whether to deal with the threat directly or kind of work around it or- you know, leave, and when the fear is overwhelming, you experience fright, which means you neither fight nor flee. In fact, you do nothing besides like maybe agonize it over it internally, and mm-hmm. being continuously in fright mode can lead to hopelessness and depression. Shocker, one more time, treat your brain.
3: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
2: And lastly, we react differently to real and imagined threats. So imagined threats cause paralysis. Being scared about all the bad things that may or may not happen in the future, but that aren't currently happening make you worry a lot, but take little action because like you kind of can't because they're imagined. They're not happening. They're not in mm. front of you. There's nothing you can do about it. So you are stuck in a state of fear, overwhelmed, but not knowing what to do. Real mm-hmm. threats, on the other hand, cause Frenzy, when the threat is imminent and identifiable, you jump into action immediately and without flinching. (laughs) I don't know who they're talking about, but this is from the article.
1: I feel like that depends. Yeah, I feel (laughs) like also depending on the real threat, my personal response is different each time. Like sometimes it's fight and sometimes it's flight and sometimes it's fright.
3: Mm-hmm. And I don't
1: really know until the moment which it's gonna be or freeze, right, yeah, well, so what this is
2: saying is that this is why people are much more likely to change, for example their eating habits after a serious health scare, like a heart attack than after just reading statistic statistics about the bad effects of that like right because you have diet.
0: a personal connection to that now you're not just reading about it in a news article.
2: Yeah, so that's what it means by like an imminent identifiable threat that will spur you into action.
1: A personalized threat. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Yeah, if it's like right in front of you, it's gonna happen. It's coming at you. You're Mm -hmm. gonna get out of the way. Okay. So as far as literally shitting yourself out of fear, here is what I found (laughs) because yes, I Googled it. (laughs) It is perfectly natural to release... Your bowels under intense stress. And yes, I know the sensation well. I'm going to allude mysteriously again to mine and Kenyon's experience at the Canadian border.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Lucy knows it well. My bowels vacated. Yeah. (laughs) It was,
2: yeah. It's something Uh. else. (laughs) So, yes, being scared shitless is a real thing. As part of the fight or flight response, your sympathetic nervous system slows down the digestive process and relaxes the bladder muscles, making more space for more urine so that you can focus on the task at hand. Basically, like when there's a fear, when there's a threat right in front of you. Oh, my God, Ray. Sorry. (laughs) Like your cat. Yes. When there's a fear right in front of you. Uh, your body's like, there's no time for anything else. We're going to relax the bladder so that you don't have to poop or pee at this moment because we got shit to do.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Um. Also, the walls of your gut have a bunch of nerves called enter- the enteric nervous system, which scientists think reacts to hormones released from the brain during periods of intense anxiety. So like sure, your, does. your guts themselves respond to... Fear, which like obviously, so so I'm your
1: no bowels release can
0: confirm, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so your bowels release not in the initial moment, but as soon as the threat starts to dissipate, is that right? Yeah,
2: it's like on either side of the actual threat. Mm-hmm. So the reason why, um, okay, so here's another example. Like if you're babysitting and you go into the master bathroom and you're looking through the <laughs> Uh, Cat the medic medicine cabinet at this looking at all their
0: specific all their <laughs> yeah, pharmaceuticals what?
2: and you kind of feel like you have to poop. That's because like they might come home at any minute.
0: Mm. Do you know what I'm saying?
1: Kay. Or like okay. if after a bear, <laughs> don't hire Lucy as a baby Yeah,
0: <laughs> your resume <laughs> is not looking good.
2: Oh, my God. Or, like, right <laughs> after a bear chases you and you're, like, it back to safety, you're like, oh, my God, I got a shit. Right. So, okay. according to Dr. Sheldon Margulies, author of The Fascinating Body, How It Works, anxiety or fear of the unknown can lead to digestive issues. But once anxiety exits and rational fear sets in, the sympathetic nervous system takes over. So essentially you're more likely to shit your pants as you jump out of an airplane and your brain frantically cycles through all of the things that could go wrong, as opposed to if and when you realize that you can't get your parachute to open and you're going to free fall to earth. So like, thanks for that. Poop your pants, (laughs) poop your pants. Anxiety is like, oh my God, exciting. I'm about to jump out of the plane. But as soon as Mm -hmm. your parachute doesn't open, your body's like, okay, we're getting to
0: work.
1: Focus. This is what's happening.
0: Keep it in.
1: So that, that, you know, I, I used to think that jumping out of a plane could be like the one daredevil thing that I no. might do some no. time in my life. Not at all. But now that you bring up the possibility of shitting your pants as you jump out of the plane, oh my God. I you know would too. 1000% that I would. <laughs> yeah, it'd be never like a giant airborne shit
0: sprinkler. <laughs> yeah. I like how spinning, free spinning, which is liquid shit oh my God. spraying out yeah. of your ass. I like how. That's the risk you're unwilling
2: to take when it comes to yeah, skydiving. Great.
1: <laughs> yes, it never occurred to me before, but now that I think about it, yes and no. Yeah.
2: Hard so, pass. so when your parachute doesn't open, that's when the rational fear sets in, and more than likely, uh, keeping your pants clean will take a backseat to lots of other functions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then here's another quote from this article in psychological effects of combat which is a 2008 paper included in the book of in the book called stress of war conflict and disaster David Grossman and Bruce K Siddle wrote that in surveys of soldiers during World War II quote one quarter of combat veterans admitted that they urinated in their pants in combat and also oh, one yeah. quarter admitted that they defecated in their pants in combat so wow it's real, and then last but not least, there have been studies about uh, with rats and mice about the correlation of fear and defecation, which have found that shocking. There is a correlation. That said, rats mm. don't have any sort of societal implications of shitting themselves, or rather, just like shitting the normal way that rats. I was going to
0: say, when can you tell if a rodent is shitting themselves or just operating <laughs> when they blush? Yeah. <laughs> 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 when they blush. That's yeah. what you said. Yes. Yeah, if so they step in it.
2: So this doesn't relate terribly well to humans when it comes to emotions and psychology, but yes, you can shit yourself out of fear, but it's generally like the anticipation of fear or like immediately before or after the actual fear event.
1: I bet we could train rats to have societal implications for when they shit. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, you can train uh, knowing from being a rabbit owner, you can train a rabbit to go in a litter box, like so. You can no, give but them.
1: I, I meant more like train them like to be the embarrassed. Shame response: I get yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. I'm just yeah. saying
0: if you could train a rodent to poop in a very specific area, you could probably train shame into a rodent. But that would be ethically pretty fucked up. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, also, <laughs> well, I am now having a poop attack, so let's hear a word from our sponsors.
0: Oh, let's <laughs> do it. Have you ever, like, been at the grocery store or the airport or in public and just bum-rushed a stranger because you caught a whiff of them and screamed in their face, You smell amazing! What perfume are you wearing?
2: <laughs> yeah, it's no? like a highly personal just story. me?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Too specific? <laughs> well, I have... Scent is truly the most powerful sense that you have and a smell can bring out a flood of memories that can influence your mood and of course enhance your natural style and that's why Scentbird is your new best friend. Mhm. I have
1: been getting really into perfume ever since mm-hmm. using Scentbird. It wasn't something that I used to think about but now when I'm getting ready I have my little bag of like adorable, perfectly packaged, aesthetically pleasing Scentbird perfumes. And I mm-hmm. spritz myself every morning And it's really fun um, I It's like part of your outfit It's an accessory It really is And I love like smelling them And being like mm, Am I feeling citrusy today? Am I feeling floral and feminine today? Like going through I ordered um, rag and bone neroli Which oh, is really mm. really delicious I ordered um, a glossier perfume What else? There was a can of melon and gets. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mhm. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Just so many. I I'm I've loved all of them actually. And that is because Scentbird is a luxury fragrance subscription service for perfumes and colognes, and Scentbird has over 600 designer brands for you to choose a perfume from each month. So they mm. and the, the sample sizes like They're not sample sizes. They're bigger than sample sizes. They're like... Yeah, they're legit. Yeah. Yeah. They last a long time. Mm -hmm.
2: Uh, I'm obsessed. They're really great. I love the variety. I like that I can wear a different one every day. Mm Mm-hmm. And with an exclusive offer just for our listeners, you can get 30% off your first month today. That's only $10 for your first fragrance. You're not going to find that eh, just anywhere.
1: Anywhere else. No. So go
2: to scentbird.com forward slash gals and use our promo code GALS for 30% off your first month. Again, that is S C E N T B I R D.com forward slash gals. As <laughs> you sign up and use our promo code GALS, G A L S, to try your first perfume or cologne for just $10. Sign on, smell amazing, and treat your scent. Treat your mask.
1: Remember sex ed? Unfortunately, (laughs) yes.
0: (laughs) Really well. The person or the class?
1: (laughs) (laughs) The class. uh, Oh, the no. (laughs) Where we all learned to prevent pregnancy at all costs. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So we, most of us have the tools to prevent pregnancy, but when it comes to planning ahead for it, we maybe are lacking some information. It's still a little bit of a mystery. So it is time for some fertility education, y'all. Yes, mm. let's do it. And that is why modern fertility
2: was created. It is the easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. It sounds a little bit unnerving. It's super not. It's, it's really so easy. easy. So you mail it in with a prepaid label and you'll get your personalized results within 10 days. And when we say personalized, they're personalized. Mm -hmm. I love that timeline tool. It's just so cool. You can kind of just see where you'll be at in like two years if right now is just not the time you want to maybe try for a kid. Mm, I
0: like that. That is nice. Yeah.
2: Traditional testing with your doctor can cost over $1,000, but modern fertility only costs $159 to get the same information. And if you go to modernfertility.com forward slash gals, that's G A L S, you can get 20 bucks off your first test. It's a great deal. Also, yeah, mm -hmm. kids
0: are expensive enough. Save that money. I know, right?
2: But peace of mind is also kind of invaluable. So, yeah. mm -hmm. Also, you can use your HSA or your FSA, which I find very handy. So again, with those test results, you'll get insight into how many eggs you have, your hormone levels, and any reproductive red flags. And these results go in-depth into what every hormone means. And you can also talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse to review your results and options for next steps. I took my results to my doctor And we had a very Mm -hmm. good conversation about what everything meant because it's one thing for me to read it on a piece of paper. I gotta see those Mm -hmm. graphs, I gotta have it explained to me. And modern fertility just set me up to
0: do all of those things. If you want, my doctor did not like my joke where I asked if my eggs were scrambled. She's like, yes, we've never seen
2: this before.
0: <laughs> Zero out of 10 would I not recommend was making that joke. meaning to bring this up with you. <laughs> That's why I brought you in today. Have a seat.
2: <laughs> so if you want kids today or just maybe one day, you do need information to make the decision that is best for you. That's why we really like what Modern Fertility
0: brings to the table. Absolutely, and right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash gals. That means your test will cost $139 instead of the hundreds or thousands it could cost at a doctor's office. So get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash gals. One more time, that's modernfertility.com slash gals. Treat your eggs. Treat them.
1: Okay. Time for my case. I hope you've all had enough fun for one episode. Drink yep, up, people. Because it ends
0: now. <laughs>
1: yep. <laughs> it sure does. So... Um, Should we have a drinking game? Uh, I don't know. We're, we might need one, but I also don't know... If you'll be able to read
0: by the end of your case?
1: Yeah. I. It's... uh, Well, it's scared shitless. So basically, it's a case that most people, especially Americans, will know... Should we drink every time we feel fear?
0: I say we just drink. Let's just drink a lot. Just Just drink. Just Just drink a lot. Okay. Chug wine and chat through crime. Let's do this. Perfect.
1: I couldn't get that bottle of wine, so I am drinking tequila. Oh, God. Oh, God.
2: Special thanks is going to be a doozy. Oh, I have a joke for us at the end.
1: Thank God. Okay, so this the case that I chose is... the Cleveland kidnappings. Oh no.
0: God!
1: Yeah, you're a bad person. You're a I monster. Love you. <laughs> Here's
0: I love the you. Thing.
1: This case, for a long time, it freaked me out so much that I couldn't. I couldn't even listen to like a short news segment about it. I couldn't.
0: This is your just, immersion therapy.
1: Yes, it really is. Like I just for so long, I just like I couldn't bear to even hear the name. This Ariel is Kenyon's room full of clowns. Yeah, I just was it really it inst, like instigated something and I'm like a fucking stone cold bitch, but there's just it really got to me. It's like me with the name Donald Trump. Yeah, very triggering. Sure. But that's also triggering for me. This is like Really, I just couldn't handle it for a long time. And then immersion therapy, I uh, started reading Michelle Knight's autobiography. Yeah. And through reading, I haven't finished it, but through reading that, I kind of was like, okay, I should cover this case. So speaking of Michelle Knight, on August 23rd, I wrote August 23rd (laughs) (laughs) On August 23rd, 2002, Michelle Knight was running late to a very important meeting. She was 21 years old, but her short stature, she's four foot seven, and youthful appearance meant that she was often mistaken for a young teenager. Mm -hmm. Um, Michelle's childhood had (laughs) been pretty (laughs) horrific. Um, She'd already survived abuse. Like extreme poverty and neglect from a young age. Um, She'd endured ongoing sexual abuse for years and was really bullied at school, partially Mm -hmm. for, uh, partially as a response to the extreme like poverty and neglect that she was suffering at home.
0: Kids suck.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, so do adults, apparently.
0: Literally every human being sucks, including Mm me, mostly me. Yeah.
1: Yeah, um, so she was, argue. she was so neglected at home and her autobiography kind of talks about how like she lived with her mother, but then there was kind of like a rotating cast of like other characters and like family and like family friends, quote unquote, who like also would kind of come in and out of the home. Mm -hmm. Um, and she was often responsible for like young children when she was a child herself, but like responsible for them, like 24 seven. Yeah. Had like horrible hand-me-downs, barely any food, like just really, 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 really rough home life and childhood. Um, and she said that she often felt growing up that the only reason her mother cared at all about her was because of the extra welfare benefits That she was able to collect on her behalf. Ugh, that's so sad. Yeah. I think there was drug use. It was just not good. Michelle's difficult home life led her to run away while she was still in her teens. Um, At one point, she lived in a makeshift shelter out of a trash bin under a bridge. Good Lord. Oh my God. When she was a teenager? She was like 15 or 16. Oh God,
2: that's heartbreaking.
1: Yeah, and despite how fucking horrific that sounds, Michelle actually recalls this time period of her life as one of relief from escaping the misery of her actual home.
0: Oh, God. Okay, um, I have to just pause for one second because as you were telling this, mm. I'm sitting in my room where I record and I forgot that I left the blinds open in the room like behind me. Mm -hmm. And a huge shadow of, like, a Uh, hulking figure just walked across. And it's it's just someone walking in front of my window in in the room down the hallway. But it just, I almost had a shit fear response just now.
2: Because you're primed. I'm fucking so primed. Anticipatory,
0: preparatory, whatever fear. And and there's nothing like a hulking, creepy Mm. shadow crossing my butt plugs cross-stitch yeah (laughs) on my wall yeah oh my god you're gonna need a
1: butt plug is your door locked
0: yes everything is locked I just uh, usually I block out all light and the other day I must Mm -hmm. have been depressed (laughs) I was like I'm gonna crack (laughs) one of my blinds (laughs) and now I regret it yeah
1: yeah never let more light in okay (laughs) that'll teach you yep that'll teach you okay I'm fine keep going okay just keep drinking Eventually, she was forced to return home. Like she, uh, somebody recognized her and told her uh, mother where she was. And then they came and got her. And so she went back home and was home for a few more years. I'm not sure if she ever graduated high school. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, At 18, Michelle gave birth to a baby boy named Joey, who um, very sadly was taken out of her custody and placed in foster care. And in her autobiography, she states that it wasn't anything to do with her parenting, even though she was only 18 and like, you know, she was like doing her absolute best, but Mm -hmm. she was still living at home and it was such a chaotic environment. And there were people coming and going and some of them were unsavory characters that... That's a hard choice to make. That is why Joey was taken away
0: was so sad. Oh my god.
1: Did she give At him twer- up or he was taken away? He was taken away. Oh. He was taken away on like a provisory base like a temporary basis basically and put into like temporary foster care and then we'll get to it. Okay. At 21, she was making a valiant effort to improve her life. She'd recently moved in with a cousin in the Tremont neighborhood of Cleveland and desperately wanted to get her son back. The meeting she was on her way to that August day was an appointment with social services to discuss a path to regaining custody. Okay, okay. so she was, she was, she's yeah. working really hard
0: trying to get her son back. I love it.
1: Yeah. Michelle didn't have a car, so she was traveling on foot and stopped into a convenience store near her cousin's house to ask for directions to the address she'd been given. So she's still in her own neighborhood. Again, it's 2002. She doesn't have a cell phone. Yeah. A man in the store overheard her and stepped in to say that he'd be happy to give her a ride to where she was going. Oh. No. I
0: hate everyone.
1: And Michelle recognized him as the father of a younger girl that she had gone to school with. So she was like, your daughter's name is Emily, right? Like she recognized him. And he smiled and was like, yeah, it's a small world.
0: So there's like a small element of trust there already. Right? Fuckin' yep. A.
1: Which he preyed on Later as well, with yeah, of course. another victim. Mm-hmm. He seemed friendly and he wasn't a total stranger. Plus, Michelle was panicked at the thought of arriving late to this meeting right. and like appearing irresponsible. Yeah. Yeah. So she accepted the ride. Mm-hmm. But she began feeling uncomfortable almost immediately when the man did a dangerous spinning maneuver with the car before exiting the parking lot because oh, could he fuck be you. more of a douchebag? Yeah. He was excited because he'd gotten a victim. Yep. Eck. She thought about telling him that she'd changed her mind in getting out of the vehicle right then, only to look down and realize that the passenger side door handle had been removed.
0: Holy <sighs> shit. Oh, yucky. Ick. He had prepared his vehicle and was mm-hmm. like out hunting. Mm-hmm. Yuck hmm
1: and he targeted cool. her because she looked younger than she was.
0: Yeah, so he's a fucking pedophile. hmm Great.
1: And then she realized he was driving in the wrong direction. hmm Saying that he wanted to make a quick stop at his house because he had puppies there and thought that her son might want one. The fuck
0: ick. I mean, I'd be like, Okay. And pop literally the other night. The other night, I was walking my dog, and it was late. I usually take her for a quick let's do this, around like 11. And a rusty white van pulled up that had
2: puppies spray painted
0: on the side. Quite quite literally, a man got out of a rusty white windowless van, and my initial thought was like, oh my god, I'm gonna be killed. Then, out of the van, he gets his dog, and immediately my whole body just relaxed and was like, oh, he's a dog guy. He's fine. I should go meet that dog. I'll go talk to him. Oh, I didn't talk to him. But I'm like, this is how easily I am assured by just the sight of a dog
1: I'm a dog person but
0: I know not everyone with a dog is a good person rationally I know this and in my head I was thinking lol Amanda this is how you're gonna die by just trusting some asshole with a dog and I didn't approach him I'm just saying that that went through my head
1: god damn it (laughs) now I have to be now my anxiety has shifted to worrying about
0: you I'm fine I'm scrappy you do have sharp nails I'm also undesirable (laughs)
1: You're of short stature (laughs) And you have very sharp nails So that's going for you I'm good Oh my god All right. so the man pulled into the driveway of a home A couple blocks away And got out to lock the gate to the yard So like drove in and then locked the gate No Feeling like she had no other option Michelle entered the house with him So this I think is is the product of her years of abuse and neglect. Sure. That she felt like she had to go along with the situation. Absolutely not victim blaming, just trying to like
0: understand. I mean, he literally also like locked her into the property. It's not like she had a lot of options, it, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the the fence and the gate was not high, but yes. Yes. It's that whole thing of like, trust your instincts, trust Mm -hmm. your gut, because like when those alarm bells go off, when that fear response starts, like just listen to it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we're taught to be polite and she's had to survive by being quiet and compliant her whole life. And here we are. So shaking with fear by this point, but praying she might still be allowed to leave. He led her to the second floor and it became clear that there were no puppies in the house. Mm. He closed the door to the room behind him and she remembers thinking, I knew it was over.
0: It was just over. I was not getting
1: out of that house
0: ever. I'm i I'm a warn everybody right now. If you promise me puppies and you take me somewhere and there are not puppies. <laughs> How the turntables (laughs) will turn. I will fully fucking kill you. I'll kill you. Hmm. Yeah. This is so freaky.
1: The white clapboard house on Seymour Avenue was only a couple blocks from where she lived with her cousin.
0: Oh, my God. It's like you can fucking see it and Mm -hmm. you can't get to it. That is the worst. But the proximity didn't matter.
1: Michelle Knight had become Ariel Castro's first kidnapping victim. Castro, a former school bus driver... Fuck that. ...had previously shared the home with his partner, Grimilda Figueroa, and their four
0: children. Jesus Christ.
1: But Grimilda and the kids had moved out six years earlier. She has passed away. I'm not sure exactly when. But court documents show Castro had a record of brutal domestic violence against Grimilda. He was arrested once, but somehow never charged... For the assault.
0: Oh, I'm so not shocked at all by that. Yeah.
1: The assault, that in this case, he threw her down a flight of stairs, cracking her skull and breaking several bones. Holy fucking shit. He tried to kill her. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Over the years, Grimilda also suffered a blood clot on the brain... Two broken noses, a dislocated shoulder, fractured ribs, knocked out teeth, and other serious injuries from Castro's abuse. No charges were ever filed in those cases. He wasn't arrested in those other cases. Just And those are the injuries that we know about because right. she went to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Like, can we fucking take domestic violence seriously for fuck's yeah. sake? It's a fucking epidemic. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Tragically, when Michelle Knight disappeared into Castro's home, it went largely unnoticed. Mm-hmm. Cleveland police believed that she was a runaway.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Cuz she had run away in the past when she was a teenager. Yeah. Now she's a fucking adult,
0: so I don't know about adults running away, but okay. And also the circumstances where she went missing on her way right. to the most like important arguably mm-hmm. meeting of her life.
1: Yeah. She would I'm sure not her cousin was away. like Yeah, no, she would have absolutely been at that meeting come hell or high water. Yeah, But the police just didn't care cuz she Came from nothing, grew up super poor. Like you know, they just she was she was primed to fall through the cracks. Um, yeah, they just didn't
0: care. Is she white? Uh yes, she is white. Um, that surprises me that they wouldn't care at least a tiny bit more. But I guess still like classism. Yeah, yeah. I mean, still plays I, a huge she, role.
1: I don't know her full ethnicity. She presents as white. Got it. So very limited resources were used to investigate her case. She was even removed from the National Crime Information Center database just 15 months after she disappeared. And there were absolutely no leads. My God, why?
0: Why? Like what? Like does it does the database run out of room? Like, no, this is an infinite like Internet fucking database. There's no reason whatsoever to remove her. No reason whatsoever to remove her from that list. That is Mm -hmm. so fucking stupid.
1: And it's not like there were ever any, it wasn't like, oh, she was spotted here or her debit card was used in this state. There was nothing.
0: So fucked up.
1: Okay. This, meaning the disappearance being overlooked, would not be the case with Castro's next victim. Castro abducted Amanda Berry on April 21st, 2003, the day before her 17th birthday. Mm. He offered her a ride home from her job at Burger King. And like Michelle, she recognized him as the father of a classmate and decided he was trustworthy enough to get into his car. So she was like, oh, you're. Yeah. So and so's dad. Yeah. Literally the same thing. Mm hmm. Almost exactly one year after that, Castro took his third victim, 14-year-old Gina De DeJesus, uh, by offering her a ride as she walked home from school.
0: Was Castro's wife already deceased before he started doing this?
1: Uh, she was no longer living with him. Okay. I, don't, I don't believe she was deceased yet, but I don't Got know it. for sure. Okay. And I don't think they were ever officially married, but they were common law married and had four kids together. Got it. All three of Castro's victims were taken within roughly five blocks of one another on the same fucking street, Jeez. Lorraine wow. Avenue.
0: So he had a very small, you yeah, know,
1: his all, all in his field. own neighborhood. Yeah, I mean, two of two of the victims went to school with his kids. I mean, not like
2: you have to be. Yeah. That smart, obviously, to do what he did, but he's a fucking idiot.
1: Yep. <laughs> yeah, but somehow it, it, it just— worked for a long time. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Well, it probably worked because,
2: like Amanda said, classism. Yeah. It was a poor yeah. neighborhood. No one's looking out. You know, there's a kid walking down the street who's yes. no longer walking down the street on the next
1: block. No one's going to These gonna are not notice. pretty
0: rich white girls that are going missing.
1: Well, Amanda Berry is a blonde white girl. Gina De Jesus is uh, Latina, but Amanda Berry is a blonde white girl, so and sh- so her disappearance garnered a lot of media attention and then Gina's disappearance exactly 1 year later from exactly that same spot the, was really those, only
0: paid attention to because it was linked. Exactly or it appeared linked. Yeah. That's I that whole so. thing is so fucked up. Yeah. Ugh. So
1: yeah, they were this. They were a similar age, I, almost identical locations, and like a year yeah. to the day, almost. Yeah, so they were immediately linked together. But Michelle, no one was like, oh, a year before that, another right. girl was taken. She was no one made, yeah, no one made the connection ever. Fuck. Unlike Michelle, Amanda and Gina's disappearance received national media attention eerily. A 2005 episode of America's Most Wanted actually featured an interview with Arlene Castro, one of Ariel's daughters. No. Who was a close friend of Gina's. Shut the fuck up. That is
0: so creepy. About
1: her disappearance? Yeah. And the last person to see her alive before, well, to see her before her disappearance.
0: Wow. And she didn't
1: know that her dad had them? No. Oh, my God. So they must not have been living in the house
0: with him either.
1: They were not. The kids were not living in the house with him.
0: Yeah, because otherwise he could not have gone completely unnoticed no. doing he that he had show. the house
1: completely to himself. To himself. Okay,
0: that makes a lot more sense to me. Yeah.
1: So the two, meaning Arlene and Gina, had used a payphone to call Gina's mother to ask if Arlene could sleep over at Gina's house. And when the answer was no, they parted ways like on the sidewalk and Gina continued walking home alone. Mm. Amanda and Gina's kidnappings were also covered on Oprah and the Montel Williams show, the latter of which included a horrible segment where a psychic told Amanda's mother that she had a vision of her daughter dead and in water. Jesus, that's obviously so it's not irresponsible. the case. Yeah. Yeah. This pronouncement obviously devastated Amanda's mother, although she never stopped seeking answers about her daughter. But tragically, she died of heart failure in 2006 without ever knowing what happened to her daughter. No. I told you, there's like basically no bright spots in this case until the very end. And even that is just tempered with, oh, my God. Let's speed through it. Shall we? (laughs) Back in the Seymour Avenue house, all three women were enduring regular rapes and beatings by Castro. After initially holding all three of them chained in his basement, he had moved them upstairs to rooms um, where they were no longer chained, but constantly locked inside with the shades drawn and only plastic buckets to use for toilets, which he rarely emptied. Ugh. It's amazing that they survived like the, the, the movie room or whatever, yeah. like th- that person. Well, that is horrific enough. Like that person had, I plumbing. mean, it's a movie, but and like, heat. yeah, yeah. A little stovetop, whatever. Like they had nothing. Mm-hmm. He also created a fucked up hierarchy amongst the three, treating Amanda, the blonde one, mm-hmm. as the favorite and inflicting the worst of his abuse on Michelle. Big shock. Punishments ranged from more violent beatings to giving fresh food to Amanda and Gina and only stale leftovers to Michelle. Ugh. Amanda was kept locked alone in one room while Michelle and Gina uh, shared another room, and Michelle and Gina developed a close bond with Michelle acting as a maternal figure to the much younger girl. Because remember, when Michelle was taken, she was 21. Right. So by the time Gina was taken, she was like 23, I think, and Gina was 14. Mm. They cared for each other when sick and tried to keep each other hopeful by sharing dreams of what they would do if they escaped. Oh, my God, my heart. Michelle was impregnated five times by Castro, and each time he beat her until she miscarried. Jesus Holy fucking Christ. shit! By 2006, Amanda also fell pregnant, but in this case, Castro ordered Michelle to help deliver the baby and threatened to kill her if the baby
0: did not survive. So oh, he yeah. was like, "Hi, Michelle, you're complete- being a trained RN or like <laughs> right, gynecologist, right, having any control over that situation right, whatsoever? Was to take on the task." Fucking asshole. Yeah. With
1: nothing but like a bucket of shit. Right? Yeah. No meds. Probably not a clean environment. Probably not even like clean blankets or hot yeah, water towels, or anything. water, anything. Yeah. Basics. It's fucking horrific. Despite all of this, Amanda gave birth to a healthy baby girl that she named Jocelyn. Aww. Jocelyn is super cute. I don't have photos of her on the drive because sh- sh- she's a minor, but so cute. Years continued to pass and things continued much as they had before uh, for all three women with Amanda now locked into her small room with her daughter who would eventually refer to Castro as daddy and no fucking daddy jokes. Dear God. No, no, not okay.
0: Not okay.
1: Castro occasionally took baby Jocelyn out of the house with him, introducing her sometimes as his grandchild and sometimes claiming that she was his girlfriend's daughter from a previous relationship. Mm Mm-hmm. And when she was a little bit older, he would, like, manipulate her and control her into, like, having good behavior by, like, taking her to McDonald's, you know? I mean, like, that just, would work on me, but yes. Right. But this part, so it's not gross. like she went to school. It's not like no. she, like, she, yeah, she's just ugh, fucking horrific. He also used Jocelyn to manipulate Gina and Michelle, granting them time with the child um, and, like, seeing Jocelyn, like, a happy cute kid was like the sole bright spot in their right. miserable life. existence yeah. yeah so he used this as like a privilege and if they did anything out of line uh he would like be like okay you can't see jocelyn for a month you know whatever It was all about control like right he, you know every it was like they had rules for, like, every single, like, detailed thing. That's what he got off on, really. Had he mm-hmm. been in the military by chance? You know, I don't know, but I didn't read anything about that. Mm. It so I don't like think so. seems like a really so.
2: regimented military dad, like, gone horribly psycho
0: thing. Right. It's really more of an abuser
1: thing. Yeah. It
0: really is. The control element is so yeah. common.
1: It just yeah. seems really... uh rigid like rigid it was extremely rigid and and regimented but that like I said that's definitely very typical of domestic violence cases where it's like you you know you folded the napkin wrong you know you you know that I like my chair facing this direction right like just yeah Eventually, Castro began to occasionally allow the women time outside in the backyard, providing that they were disguised in wigs and sunglasses and he was there and it was, you know, right. He would like judge the times that it was safe for him to let them out very briefly. But with these so-called privileges always came more manipulation and punishment. Castro would leave doors open or unlocked And if any of the women attempted to flee, they would be severely beaten for, quote, failing his test.
0: Yeah, he's baiting them and then Mm -hmm. beating the shit out of them. Yep. And
1: so on May 6th, 2013. Wow. When Amanda Berry realized that both her bedroom door and the house's front door had been left unlocked, usually it was like, he would leave the bedroom door unlocked and then, yeah, not you both. know, they'd get, yeah, they'd get downstairs and then be caught and beaten. And Castro's car was not in the driveway. It was an extreme act of bravery for her to take action because this could have very easily been just another test. Right. It's only ever been a test before. So there was no way for her.
2: Yeah. Oh, that would have been the most terrifying thing.
1: Yeah. But deciding that the risk was worth it, Amanda opened the front door, and then there was still a padlocked storm door in front of the front door, so it wasn't like she could just walk outside. Right. But she managed to, like, get her, like, open it just enough to, like, stick her arm out and, like, wave it and scream and, like, pound on the door and, like, cause a ruckus. Good for her. Amanda was able to attract the notice of a neighbor, Charles Ramsey, who, like jumped in to help ran over he he was like what the like he didn't no one knew there was no one knew
0: there was no one has any suspicion that anything was going on next door right and this is happening right in their neighborhood and they have no fucking clue yeah
1: he's just he was literally eating like a big mac on his porch and all of a sudden a girl starts like screaming like let me out of here and like is locked in a house yeah yeah Runs over, helps her break down the door. She immediately runs across the street. Like, she can't even, like, stay in the yard. I would have just
0: kept running. Yeah. Right. But also, I think... I don't know. It's like they all have these protective maternal instincts, especially now that there is a child. And so, like, yeah, while your gut instinct would be to run, you also have a gut instinct to, like, protect your family.
1: Yeah. She had Jocelyn with her. Okay. Um... So she ran across the street with Jocelyn, but the other two are still inside. So she gets the neighbor to call 911. She identifies herself on the call. She's like, I'm Amanda Berry. I've been missing for 10 years. Holy shit. Jesus, I just got chills. Ugh. Yeah. And begged the dispatcher to come quick and and rescue the other two women. Cleveland police arrived within minutes. Thank God. And rescued both Michelle and Gina, who were
0: still locked inside their room. And Castro was still gone at this point? Yes. Thank God. I mean I mean, obviously it'd be great if he'd been apprehended right there on the scene, but also it like alleviates a lot of the complication of there being some sort of like shootout or anything like that. Hostage right. situation. Right. Right.
1: One of the officers present for the rescue remembers radioing in that Amanda Berry and Gina De Jesus had finally been found but being surprised by the presence of a third victim adding quote, "we also have a Michelle Knight in the house i don't know if you want to look that up in the system 32 years old jesus christ i don't know if you want to look that up uh-huh. jesus that's so fucking stupid mhm she was found locked in the room with G-
0: with Gina yeah, like, what? obviously you want to check like, this out. She is a kidnap victim. Yeah. Ugh, this poor woman. Ariel Castro was
1: arrested the same day. So that's, like, thank God. Where had he gone? I don't think he went very He never went very far. It's not like he traveled. It's not like he had hobbies. Did he go
0: to work? Did he work?
1: I don't know if he was... It could
0: have been any number of things. He's still got to get groceries. Like, yeah, you know, you got to feed your, your fucking hostages. Yeah. Yeah.
1: He ate a lot of fast
0: food. He's like a piece of shit.
1: So he's arrested the same day. Initially, so were two of his brothers who live nearby. And all, there's a photo of the three of them on the drive. And they look so... I mean, I know they're fucking brothers, but like they look so similar to each other. It's like so scary. Yeah. But both were released when it was determined that they were not involved. So all three of the women were like... He never had anybody else helping him or, like,
0: abusing us, you know? Yeah, just saved it all for himself.
1: Yep. Castro agreed to a plea bargain, pleading guilty to 937 charges, including aggravated murder of of the forced miscarriages. Oh, yeah. Kidnap, rape, and assault, and was given a sentence of life imprisonment plus 1,000 years. Well, wow, good. good. <laughs> yeah. Burn in hell, you
2: motherfucker.
1: Yeah. Amanda and Gina chose not to attend his sentencing hearing. I do not blame them. I would never I would never be able to be in the same room as that fucker again, I don't think. Who knows? Who knows how you'd react, but I just, oh, oh my God. I, ah! This is why I chose yeah. this for scared shitless, because I just <laughs> can't even handle it. But Michelle fucking Quine presented a statement to Castro that read in part, I would like to tell you what 11 years was like for me. I missed my son every day. I wondered if I was ever going to see him again. He was only two and a half years old when I was taken. Days turned into nights. Nights turned into days. The years turned into eternity. I spent 11 years in hell, and now your hell is just beginning.
0: Oh, that is chilling. I love it. I know. Oh, my God.
1: Yeah, I know. (sighs) Full body chills. I will overcome all this that happened, but you will face hell for eternity. From this moment on, I will not let you define me or affect who I am. I can forgive you, but I will never forget. Oh, my God. I have such goosebumps. I know. Yeah. She has been through so much. It's like the mind reels trying to think of anyone who could have survived more than this woman. Right. All all three of them and Jocelyn. But like Michelle had such a hard life before all of this. Right. Right. And for her to stand up
2: to him and be like, I will overcome this. All of it.
0: Oh, my God. So powerful.
1: Castro was found dead in his cell just one month after his sentencing. Oops, no. The fucking coward hanged himself.
0: Oh, oh God fuck damn it. You. I was kind of hoping for some, like, you know how in prisons prison they like, fucking justice. hate pedophiles? Yeah, mm-hmm. I was hoping for prison justice.
1: Well, I think they know that it, I, I think he was in a protected part. I'm not sure, but it was such a famous case. He should have been um, in solitary for the rest of his life.
2: Uh, that so it would have been dissolved close into
1: madness. To, yeah. 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 It fucking sucks.
0: I With know. a bucket to shit in.
1: Right. And I would never call somebody suffering from like mental health issues who completed suicide a coward. I'm c- I'm calling this one person. Oh, a Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Fuck this guy.
1: Yeah. Today, all three women are working on rebuilding their lives. Gina and Amanda, with her daughter Jocelyn, moved back in with their respective families. The two wrote a memoir together about their experiences, which is titled Hope, A Memoir of Survival in Cleveland. Gina, who now sometimes goes by her full name Georgina, also helped found the Cleveland Family Center for Missing Children and Adults and that center is located on Seymour fucking Avenue.
0: Oh my god. Oh, wow. Wow.
1: Yeah. She just was like fuck you dude. These I'm women are this fucking shit back. phoenixes. Such yeah.
0: badasses.
1: Michelle moved into her own apartment, changed her name to Lily Rose Lee and got married in 2015. Oh, Just girl. two years after her rescue. Oh my Good god! Good for her. Yeah. Fucking get out there and find that love, baby. Yeah, she deserves. Yeah, she hopes to someday reunite with her son Joey, who was um, adopted by his foster family. Uh, but she, I think, is wisely giving it time and waiting until he comes of age and can totally and can understand. have say in whether
0: or not he wants that relationship himself because that's really complicated for adopted children as well. Yeah. And it's kind of a happy ending for him that he was, I mean, it sucks that he was put into the system and that's really scary, but to then be adopted by your foster family is usually a pretty good sign. Yeah.
1: That's the best possible outcome if 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 you can't be reunited with your family, but at the same time, like, oh God, it's just so complicated. So so complicated. Give that shit a wide berth. Yeah. And she also, um, Wanted more time to process her own trauma.
0: Oh, she's so brilliant. I mean, good for her to be able to make yeah. those kinds of distinctions and set those boundaries because how fucking hard would that be? Like, this kid was taken away from you, then you had your whole life taken away from you, then you finally get it back. I could see that like urge to want to be, be like, reunited I want my with your kid. son. Yeah. 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 Oh my God, I'm like and, so and close to sobbing. And imagine how
1: terrifying that would be for the foster family. You've, you've had this right. kid for potentially more than 11 years. He's right. fully your son. And then all of a sudden it's like, never mind. Biological mom is back and she has every right to him. Ugh.
0: Like what that go- would be Oh my God, horrific. Michelle's fucking amazing. All of these mm-hmm. women are fucking amazing. This mm-hmm. is incredible.
1: Feeling like she had a slightly different story to tell from Amanda and Gina's, Michelle chose to write a separate memoir titled Finding Me, A Decade of Darkness, A Life Reclaimed. So that's the book that I've started reading. In the book, she tells the story of her captivity without ever once using Castro's name. Quote, oh, that's he badass. doesn't deserve a name. Oh, I love it. She explained in a 2014 interview, quote, he hated the fact that I called him dude because I didn't acknowledge him as a person.
0: Oh, interesting. I love it. Like he certainly acknowledged his prisoners Mm -hmm. as people. Fuck him.
1: Yeah. Michelle yeah, oh I just love that. Michelle's autobiography made it to the New York Times bestsellers list. As of twenty sixteen, Michelle was not in touch with Gina and Amanda, stating in an interview that, quote, I'm letting them go their own way and they're letting me go my own way. In the end, I hope we can get back together again. But like again, that horrible
0: fucked up hierarchy that he created would have to be really hard to process to recover from and also just how triggering it would be to just be around the people you shared that trauma with that would be really fucking hard too yeah
2: I think it would be so easy to lose your identity period during that time so when you come out you're like who am I apart from these two other women you know right yeah
1: yeah just need some space absolutely As for the house on Seymour Avenue, it was demolished after Castro's arrest with neighbors and family members of the victims present and yellow balloons released to symbolize children still missing around the globe. Gina's aunt was given the honor of operating the crane as it took the first swing at the house, destroying the lingering reminder of the evil that had existed there undetected for over a decade. Wow. Holy shit. I know. It's really dark and it was really long. And thank you for bearing with me. And there's so much more to say about it, but we can't. I'm excited to tell my joke later.
0: Yeah. Yeah, please. (laughs) Let's shake it out over a word from our sponsors and then I will polish this off with more horror. Ah. Great. So even though
2: I work from home, sometimes I have the toughest time picking out an outfit every morning. Like, yes, I'm going to wear leggings and yes, I'm going to wear a loose flowy top and I probably am not going to wear a bra. But you know what? There's still a lot of gray area to fill in there. Yeah. So much. And I've also learned that if you dress to go work out in the morning, it's a lot easier to actually get your butt out the door and go work out. Mm Mm-hmm. So maybe I beg to differ, but... Well, (laughs) I did sign up for Wantable and they have helped me build a wardrobe that is as unique as I am. Mm -hmm. I loved to see that there was a fitness section of Wantable. So you can get like style clothes to like wear to work or wear out with your friends. And then you can do the fitness thing. I did the fitness thing. So again, the leggings, the loose tops. Yep. It is straight up my alley. So Wantable is a personal styling service that sends you on-trend clothing in a style or fitness edit, like I said. An edit is seven pieces of hand-picked clothing from a variety of amazing brands. Holy mm-hmm. cow. I was so excited when I opened this box. Mm-hmm. They're the nicest stuff in there. So here's how it works. You take the style or fitness quiz to get started. An in-house stylist gets to know your closet, lifestyle, size, and unique preferences so they can outfit you for anything and everything. So when that box comes, you get five days to try on everything at home, decide what you want to buy or what you want to send back, and a $20 styling fee will be credited towards any item that you keep
0: from your edit. It could not be easier. It. Is the best, mm-hmm. and I have tried other like styling boxes before. And Wannable is my favorite. Let me tell you, I have had days at the mall trying to find denim mm-hmm. that have ended in me literally crying in a dressing room. The day mm-hmm. you were trying to find
2: uh, cons- what was it called? Like
0: structured, structured denim. denim. There were tears involved. I called you crying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I called you crying. Yeah. Let me tell you. So I know the box comes with seven things, but I added a couple things to my box because I was really excited about it. <laughs> and I only returned one item from this box, which is like unheard of. Mm-hmm. And of the items I kept were two pairs of jeans that fit my Frankenstein's monster body absolutely perfectly. That, that is amazing. wild. They are so cute. I'm obsessed. And wantable is so easy to use. They let you choose how often you receive your edits. You can refresh your look monthly, seasonally, or place an individual edit at any time. So if you have like a special occasion coming up or something, mm. you can order. And it's amazing. Plus, shipping returns and exchanges are all free. For that one item that I returned, they just had already pre-labeled a little return bag. I just handed it to my postman when I was walking the dog. Mm-hmm. It couldn't have been easier. So easy. And it's fun. Fully customizable. So get your best edit ever by using Wannable's exclusive stream technology that allows you to request or decline items, or you can just trust your stylist to send you an edit that's full of pieces oh, you'll love. Either was, way, you're going to be so happy. That was I my love my favorite stream. feature.
1: It's yes. like yeah. Tinder but for clothes. I felt like Cher oh, Horowitz it so and
0: Clueless.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, with the with the e yeah. closet. Yeah. yeah. So fun. Yeah. So Wantable has taken the challenge out of finding the right clothes for me to wear every day and for you to go to wantable.com slash gals, G-A-L-S for $25 off your first edit. That's wantable.com forward slash gals, W-A-N-T-A-B-L-E dot com forward slash G-A-L-S for $25 off your first edit, wantable.com slash gals, treat your closet.
0: Treat it. it.
1: Let's face it. New Year's resolutions don't always stick, especially the ones that focus on health, because those require the most work. Um, I have been trying to go to the gym more often in 2020. I have made it thrice. No big deal. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But Daily Harvest makes it easy to eat well. They deliver thoughtfully sourced, chef-crafted food right to your door. And everything can be prepared in five minutes or less. That is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yes. Real talk. I'm a nibbler. I'm a snacker. I'm a what is healthy but also Super easy to just pop in my mouth. Mm-hmm. Eater. So, Daily Harvest is something that you can enjoy year round as a quick solution to get the fruits and vegetables that you need every day. Daily Harvest works directly with farmers to harvest organic fruits and vegetables at their peak and freezes them within 24 hours to lock in their
0: nutrients. And everything stays fresh until you're ready to enjoy it. It is literally the most amazing thing ever. You have so much variety. You can choose from more than 65 different options like smoothies, hearty soups, Mm. harvest bowls, and overnight oats, which are super, super delicious, which I love. Each recipe takes one step to prepare. Hi, done. Uh, and there's also room to make them your own, so you can add, like, your favorite milk. I have—I will use in the smoothies—sometimes I'll use, like, 2% milk. Other times I'll use almond milk It's or mm-hmm. cashew milk. It's so good. Coconut milk. OMG. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just blend it up. You make it how you want it. Or you could heat up a harvest bowl and top it with avocado or a fried egg if mm. you just oh, have that in so your fridge. Good. Grilled chicken. Honestly, amazing. It's one of my favorite things about this is that, like, when I first heard about Daily Harvest, I was like, oh, they're smoothies. And then looking into them more, they are so much more than mm-hmm. smoothies. They have savory options. The smoothies are so good. I had one that literally had coffee in it. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought of Kenyon. It's amazing. My personal favorite of, like, the sweeter smoothies is the mint cacao one. Mm. Because it kind of has that herbaceous, not too sweet, really refreshing. Like, starting my morning with one of those bad boys is so good. And then when you're in that midday lull and you have no idea what to make for lunch. Oh, I don't know. A broccoli and cheese harvest bowl mm-hmm. that's just ready to go. Like, I can't. It's I feel incredible. like
1: Rene Russo in Thomas Crown Affair with, like, it's her green so smoothie. Like, it's so, <laughs> ugh. I just, mm.
0: It's so good. So whether you're at home, you're at your desk, or you're on the go, Daily Harvest is the easiest way to have a delicious and nutritious meal or snack. Seriously, get it. Post-podcasting
2: snack. I got like three in my freezer right now. I'm getting hungry. Mm -hmm. So go to dailyharvest.com and enter promo code GALS to get $25 off your first box. That is promo code GALS, G-A-L-S, For $25 off your first box at dailyharvest.com. One more time, that is dailyharvest.com. Treat your belly.
0: Treat it. Treat it. Do you sell stuff online? Then you're probably still recovering from that insane holiday shopping season, rocking yourself gently back and forth. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Well, we have a way to help you relax in 2020 and make it a lot more successful. It's called ShipStation. ShipStation makes managing and shipping out orders a breeze. You can import orders from any sales channel. Ship with any carrier using our deeply discounted ShipStation rates. Automate just about any shipping task. And with ShipStation, you'll spend less time on shipping and more time growing your business. So it's no wonder ShipStation has more than 5 has more five-star reviews than any other shipping software. Tell us more, Lucy, slash user of ShipStation. Oh, my God. I
2: was so excited to see that ShipStation was a new sponsor because ShipStation is one of my very close friends. It's like a personal (laughs) personal friend of mine. I, as a lot of our listeners know... Until very recently, shipped out every single order that's Patreon rewards, that is orders through our big cartel store, from my living room. Mm
3: -hmm, And I mm -hmm. did it
2: with ShipStation. And it was remarkably easy. Their customer service is second to none. I Mm. am a big fan of ShipStation. So no matter what you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, from your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. It is really easy to navigate. And uh, that makes them very easy to manage from any device, even from your cell phone. If I get an email from someone saying like, hey, where's my package? Or like, you know, it was stolen off my porch. Or when is it going to be here? I can go in the app. I can search for their name. I can find it in seconds. It's Mm -hmm. unbelievably easy. And I was very nervous to set this up because I'm one of those people who is really intimidated by like new automations, especially Mm -hmm. like technology, business, blah, blah, blah. It was shockingly simple and very simple to maintain. ShipStation works with all of the major carriers, including uh, USPS, that's just the regular post office, FedEx, and UPS, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. ShipStation even offers big discounts on shipping rates. So now any business can access the same discounts usually reserved for large Fortune 500 companies, which we are not, but we have excellent rates. You will always know that you are getting the best deal. So there's a good reason ShipStation, like Amanda said, is the number one choice of online sellers. You can ship more in less time with some of the best rates available anywhere. Take it from me. It will make your life a lot easier.
1: I'm a big fan. Yeah, it will. So get this year off to a great start at ShipStation.com. Just use our offer code GALS, G-A-L-S, to get a 60-day free trial. That's two months free of no hassle, stress-free shipping. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in GALS. That's ShipStation.com. Enter offer code GALS, ShipStation. Make ship happen.
0: Ooh, Make it. Treat your ship. <laughs> Treat it. So, my case, yeah. Thanks a lot for this goddamn fan pick. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Thanks, uh, MK.
0: Yeah. We really Fucking appreciate your support. Classic MK. <laughs> we we do, do appreciate your support, support <laughs> though, like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I also kind of like lost sleep covering this case, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, It's all good. It's different and similar to Kenyans in a lot of ways, as a lot of fucked up people tend to share certain traits. So here we go. Um, Mm -hmm. We're going to hop into the Way, Way Back Machine and talk about Carl Panzrem. Oh, God. Who was born in East Grand Forks, Minnesota in 1891. Carl was one of six children raised on the family farm of John and Matilda Panzrem. According to reports, Carl felt out of place from a young age and engaged in very alarming behavior as early as six, already stealing, lying, you know, doing things that like, yes, kids will do, but on like a, an elevated level.
1: Or like in a way where you know that it's not yeah. normal. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's not innocent. He's not cheating at Candyland. No, he's deaf not. So at the age of eight, Carl was charged in a juvenile court for drunk and disorderly conduct. Eight years old, this poor kid. I mean, oh at God. the moment, I'm considering him a poor Holy kid. He turns shit. into an absolute fucking monster. Eight? Yeah, eight years oh old. Seriously, God. drunk?
1: So, uh, I don't. Drunk. I didn't know you could be arrested for drunk and disorderly conduct at eight. I feel like well, your parents should
0: be arrested. I mean, all first of all, this 60s. was this was the 1890s. Yeah. <laughs> Second of all, he was, ch- like, charged in a juvenile court, so it's not like yeah. they're taking him to the clink. But right. either way, this is obviously a sign that things are not going Good. well for Carl.
2: It would be pretty disturbing to see an
0: eight-year-old drunk. Hammered. Yeah. yeah that'd be fucked up. Yeah. Whoa. Um, this would not be the first, or this was the first time, but it would not be the last time. He had at least one jail stay in 1903 for the same reason, for being drunk Um, and disorderly clearly things again not good for carl and they were about to get worse at the age of 12 carl was arrested for a burglary in the neighborhood and sentenced to stay at the in the minnesota state training school which is a juvenile correctional facility located in red wing minnesota and there is a picture of it on the drive slash blog it's real creepy
1: is it yeah i was gonna say is it exactly what i'm picturing yeah yes it is pretty much
2: super creepy
0: Yeah, this facility is the oldest in the state, and it's still operating, though hopefully much better than it was when Carl was there. Mm. While at MSTS, Carl was repeatedly beaten and raped by staff at the school, juveniles would call the school, quote, the paint shop, because the students there would be, quote, painted with blood, bruises, and scars. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So, like, my tick off my nightmare number one is like a boarding school where all authority <sighs> figures are just assaulting you in a myriad ways constantly. Yeah.
1: A boys' reform school
0: in 1903 or whatever. Yeah. Fucking goddamn it. Mm hmm. Carl was released in 1906 and almost immediately ran away from home. Um, Carl took up a pretty nomadic lifestyle. He was living on the streets and hopping, mostly hopping trains from town to town. So he was like essentially living uh, on trains. Um, he would just ride all over the country. And while he was on one of these train rides, um, Carl was accosted and sexually assaulted by a group of other drifters. There's like a couple different uh, reports of this incident I th- that Carl you know, confessed, that all of them showed that it was like at least six people that essentially jumped him and took turns sexually assaulting him. Like a gang rape? Correct. Um, The incident, according to Carl himself, left him, quote, a much wiser boy. Oh, no. Yeah. Carl would continue traveling across the country committing crimes of robbery and arson. He was arrested in Montana, Kansas, California, Texas, Oregon, Idaho, and Connecticut, to name a few. Whoa. Reports claim that while imprisoned, Carl was known to lash out and attack guards, uh, to which they would respond by beating him and likely raping him, kind of just taking out their own forms of justice. God damn it. Uh, Carl would reflect on his time served in Kansas saying, quote, any goodness left in him was smashed out during his Leavenworth imprisonment.
1: Leavenworth. Leavenworth, sorry. I've I've heard a I've heard about Leavenworth prison and it's it's a fucked
0: up place. Yeah, fuck. Um, When outside of prison, Carl had a lot of displaced rage and took it out on the victims of his robberies. He would rob men, then rape them, and light their homes, cars, or belongings on fire, depending on the situation of the burglary. Carl would be repeatedly arrested under various aliases and on several occasions escaped from prison and helped cellmates escape from prison as well. So he was a slippery motherfucker.
1: It was a different time also. It was I definitely like. a
0: different time. So it, him using, like the idea of using an alias now seems way, it's way more complicated than using an alias then when there just yeah. was not the kind of communication or like data collection yeah. that we have now.
1: Mm-hmm. They didn't even, it's not like they had like a fingerprint database. They no. You just tell them a name
0: and then they what could they fucking do? They didn't even have like identification in the way that we have. Yeah. it's just It was so easy to just be anyone Before like 1950. Only Jennifer
2: Garner can get away with it now. Correct.
0: So his crimes escalated in August of 1920 when Carl broke into a mansion in New Haven, Connecticut that was owned by no other than President William Howard Taft. <gasps> oh! From the home, he stole jewelry, cash bonds, and Taft's own Colt M1911 45 caliber handgun. This gun would be his weapon of choice as he embarked on a sick murder spree that would last eight years and span multiple countries. Did he know it was Taft's house? Oh yeah. <gasps> he he had things that I left out of this case cuz it's like really long. He had spent some time in the army and had a lot of like displaced rage toward Taft for being like responsible for like getting kicked out of the army, some of his imprisonment. Mm. Like Carl was not well in a in a lot in any way shape or form.
1: And he thought it went all the way to the top.
0: Yeah, quite literally. First in this spree, with enough stolen cash bonds to fund this endeavor, Carl purchased a yacht called the (laughs) Akista. He would lure drunk American soldiers in New York City onto the boat, rape every single one of them, kill them, and toss their bodies into the Long Island Sound. Oh
2: my God. Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah. It's important to note that Carl is like, sick. he was like really tall and really really buff like he could overpower a soldier it you know and then he'd obviously prey on them when they're already drunk so that just added that element of vulnerability
1: damn i know the name and i know that it's a really dark case like that's what i had in my brain but i did not know the details
0: it's so fucking scary and like We're not even, obviously all of this is really fucked up, but we talk about stuff like this all the time. The stuff that unsettles me so much is Carl's irreverence, and we will get to that part. That's what, like, to to imagine a human being, obviously this person is a product of a lot of abuse. Mm -hmm. But to see how that cycle left untreated can completely rewire your brain is mm. so unsettling to Dehumanize me. Dehumanize you. Yes, that I I just like, I'm getting chills just fucking talking about, it. okay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. gonna keep moving. Here we go. So he was arrested that same year, but not for rape and murder, but rather possession of a handgun. <laughs> oh my
1: God. Yep. I mean, at least the, it's something. but At least
0: it's something. Oh, he was arrested so many fucking times for not even close to the crimes that, he should have been arrested for. Um, but Carl, using the name John O'Leary, would basically weasel his way into serving just six months for basically being, like, illegally in possession of a handgun, and then he was released again.
1: And so, they couldn't even figure out that it was Taft's gun? I don't think so. Yeah. It probably again, didn't it like they had not serial the same kind of yeah, registry. Yeah, and, I, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's just this was the right time for Carl to flourish, I guess. After this close call and likely knowing that he'd eventually be caught if he stayed in the United States now that he's killed multiple people, Carl hopped a boat bound for Africa and landed in uh, Angola where he found work on an offshore oil rig but within months burned it down out of spite. Oh, wow. Come on. Not a fan of his bosses, I guess. The destruction that this man left in his wake. He cannot fucking help himself. It's completely yeah. bonkers. Um while in Angola, Carl raped and killed an eleven year old boy in a this is like where it just turned for me into something so fucking utterly creepy. In a later statement, Carl would write, quote, his brains were coming out of his ears when I left him and he will never be any deader. So he <sighs> thinks it's funny. Pretty much. Like he just he has no remorse for Anything that he has Compassion, done. No passion, nothing. Also not a thing. that's
1: that's the murder of a child that we know about. And if yep. he's in Angola as a white man, I feel like Oh yeah.
0: God we'll knows what else he got up to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this was not enough blood for Carl. His insatiable bloodlust led him to hire a rowboat equipped with six guides slash rowers to take him a mile or so offshore on a crocodile hunting expedition. Instead of hunting the crocodiles, however, Carl would shoot them one by one in the head with a pistol, then roll their bodies over the side of the boat where they were eaten by the crocodiles, as Carl watched.
1: Jesus the, 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 his, Christ. His yep. rowers. Oh my god, it's like he's it's like he's in his own
0: horrific video game. It's, it's like so, he can't help himself. At this point it has he to can't. be compulsive. Yeah, which does not absolve him, obviously. But like, this is not the behavior of like a calculated like his mo is pretty thinly veiled. He 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 targeted men. Yeah, uh, he he sexually assaulted men. Clearly, there's some like homosexual undertone going on with Carl, and he'd been abused. Sexually he'd been by abused men. Sexually by men, yep. So this this is like the bulk of the pattern, but like the ways in which he would kill these people. Obviously, he liked arson. Like he had some some calling cards, but it just felt like so much of it was just...
1: And a lot of it was like very graphic. Yeah, it's really Like he bizarre. liked to watch.
0: Like he yeah. was like awed it's by hyper, it. It's hyper,
2: hyper violent.
0: It is. Yeah, It's some of, this is some of the most violent shit I have ever fucking read about in my life. I was just like, this can't, this person can't be real. Like, this does yeah. not feel like a real person. Um, He then rode himself back to shore and went on his merry fucking way. Um, he allegedly remained in Angola for about a year, likely killing more people there that we simply never learned about. Right. Um, And then decided to change location. He... Uh, like, got word that folks were looking for him in Africa for his crimes so he decided to return to America um, he found himself in Salem, Massachusetts where he raped and killed another young boy beating him to death with a rock later that year in New Haven, Connecticut he would rape yet another young boy and strangle him to death Damn. from there he made his way to Yonkers, New York where he took a job as a night watchman at a local factory uh, while in, yeah He's just like going from they, town to town.
1: They always like find jobs in like security.
0: Yeah, isn't that weird? I thought the same thing. Like BTK and like, oh yeah. it's real unsettling. So I don't like it. They can be armed
2: and like creep around as a job, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I mean, and that false yeah. sense of security. I mean, illusion of like mm-hmm. security control, for other power. people. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it's really odd, Um, but uh okay so while he was in Yonkers he began a sexual relationship with a 15 year old boy named George Wallison. Wallison. um this would be in Carl's eyes it was like a relationship like a consensual relationship obviously mm-hmm. Carl is an adult man this is a 15 mm-hmm. year old boy this is a this is a rape situation mm-hmm. but um George definitely had feelings for Carl mm-hmm Carl can't stay in one town and out of trouble for long, so soon enough he had gone to Rhode Island, stolen a boat, sailed back to New Haven to troll for more victims. After having his fill in New Haven, he stole a yacht and made his way to New Rochelle, New York. There, his young lover George was waiting for him as Carl had promised to return for him and give him a job as a crew member of his newly liberated yacht. Instead, Carl would make George essentially a sexual slave, raping him repeatedly on the boat and just kind of like holding him captive there
3: Mm
0: -hmm. um while on this absolutely horrifically dark yacht journey carl shot and killed a man who he claimed had been trying to quote rob his yacht which he fucking stole in the first place so fuck (laughs) off and a little further down the river he stole over a thousand dollars worth of fishing nets and gear from a small fishing operation which like at the time this is like the 1920s it's a lot of fucking money Mm. um all the while dragging poor george on this spree with him and george is like witnessing all of this fucked up shit that he's doing and is just a young prisoner on this boat mm. um george finally got a chance to escape uh probably just taking an opportunity where he wasn't being like raped or watched uh mm. he literally jumped overboard and like swam to shore and fled immediately to a police station god bless him damn god. yeah He informed police about Carl and his many aliases and a search began. Um, It doesn't seem like George knew just how many aliases Carl had. He had so many. I'm sure he wasn't,
1: like, in his eyes, talking to his young lover, telling him all of the horrific shit he did. Exactly.
0: Mm -hmm. So Carl was arrested in Greenberg, New York, for breaking into a train depot. Um, he was using the alias John O'Leary. And since this was like the twenties again, and we didn't have the internet and police operations in like different cities, they just are not communicating with each other. They weren't
1: communicating with each other and basically didn't have the internet in the
0: 1990s. And this is like 1920s. Yeah. It's, it's so frustrating. Um, so he was put in jail, but only for five years. So, because I guess they could find him as John O'Leary for a couple of, like, priors, and so... But they couldn't prove the murder, maybe? Exactly. They couldn't pin murder on mm. him, like, mumblings of these murders. So I don't mm. remember exactly what he was charged with that would garner a five-year sentence, but that, regardless, that's how long he served at that time. He was released in tw- 1928 and made his way to Baltimore, where it is suspected that he killed at least one young man there that same summer, but probably more.
1: Yeah, of definitely he couldn't did. fucking...
0: He couldn't yeah. fucking control his shit. He was not a even close. maniac. A complete fucking maniac. Um, so Carl, who could consistently get away with murder, simply could not get away with burglary. Seriously, this guy's been arrested so many fucking times for almost everything but murder. Mm-hmm. And he was put in jail in Baltimore for breaking into a home and stealing a fucking radio. So <laughs> wow. during interrogation uh, for this theft... Fucking, apparently things just came to a head for Carl. And he confessed to murdering three young boys in the past year. According to this quote I got from Wikipedia, quote, Panzerram later wrote that he had completed, uh, that he had contemplated mass killings and other acts of mayhem, such as poisoning a city's water supply with arsenic or mm-hmm. scuttling a British warship in New York Harbor to provoke a war between the U.S. and Britain. Okay. Like, this was all he thought about was, like, how to hurt incite mayhem people. and hurt more people. That's all he fucking thought he about. He
1: sounds like a fucking villain in he is. Batman. Yeah, right? he does. He's like the, the Joker. Joker.
0: but, like, worse because the Joker at least, I mean, I am not siding with the Joker, but the Joker, the Joker had, at like, least ideals isn't real. in an odd way. I guess. And was super as a hot. Fucking,
1: as a fucking, what's it called? Incel. Yeah. But right. fine.
0: Well, This new iteration, yeah. But anyway, it's just like, this is, like, what is your mission statement here, Carl? Like, what the fuck? He was sentenced to 25 years to life because of his seemingly endless criminal record and violent behavior. Carl was confined to a solitary ward and given solitary work in the prison laundry. Without inmates to pick on, though, Carl took his rage out on prison laundry foreman Robert Warnke, beating the man to death with an iron bar that he probably just, like, either found or, like, pried off of a piece of... Laundry machinery. He just, Eck.
1: yeah, he just, it's, oh my God. He
0: cannot have any contact with other human beings. Like he just cannot, or he will kill Or you. any
1: living thing. I'm sure he yeah. would turn to animals if desperate. Like he I'm doesn't, sure. anything.
0: This apparently was the straw that broke the Campbell's back for the justice system, and Carl was sentenced to be executed. Um, w- So uh, advocates were pretty involved even at this time against the death penalty and several were kind of coming out of the woodwork like urging carl to appeal and trying to like find support for him to not be sentenced to death and when they did come out of the woodwork to do this carl to stated help quote him. yeah carl stated quote the only thanks you and your kind will ever get from me for your efforts on my behalf is that i wish you all had one neck and that i had my hands on it
1: my god. Yeah. The rage. He's just yeah. rage embodied in one person.
0: It's so terrifying. One person to cause all of this fucking destruction. Blech. It just completely grosses me out. So while on death row, Carl, like the fucked up white boy he was, got to work on his manifesto.
1: Oh, of course. Yeah, which we you can so purchase. Care what
0: you have to say. Exactly. You can purchase it, but I refuse, and I'm not even going to say what it's called. So fuck yeah. that. Um, but in this writing, it detailed uh all of his crimes that like he just kind of on like made a timeline of basically everything that he had done and mm-hmm. also like soapbox his nihilistic philosophies and repeatedly reiterated that he felt no remorse whatsoever for any of the things that he had done
1: he liked to um, shock people I feel like he's he's worse than a sociopath right?
0: or a psychopath it's like he gets
1: off on he it likes yeah he likes to shock he likes to do things that are so horrific like increasingly horrific
0: Yeah, it's really fucking creepy. Um, The manifesto quite literally begins with, quote, in my lifetime, I have murdered 21 human beings. I have committed thousands of burglaries, robberies, larcenies, arsons, and last but but not least, I have committed sodomy on more than 1,000 male human beings. For all these things, I am not in the least bit sorry. End quote. Great. Yeah.
1: All right, Carl. Well,
0: fuck you. There you go. Carl's parting words after having the noose affixed to his neck and spitting in the executioner's face were, quote, hurry it up, you Hoosier bastard. I could kill a dozen men while you're screwing around.
1: Kind of an amazing last line. And it that is, is the only thing I will give this horrible excuse for The only redeeming a moment. Yeah, this Yikes. person is a
0: piece of shit, but just down to the fucking bitter end. Um, to he even blames, be able
1: to recall the slur "hoosier yeah. bastard." Yeah, really.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty <laughs> it's so good obscure. one. It's a pretty good one. And he he blamed his crimes and just like kind of who he was as a person on the treatment he received in reform schools and prisons, which isn't like off. You know, at mm, least I'm the, sh- there's I'm some sure self it self-awareness. It sure as shit didn't help. It
1: it I don't know what his parents were like and if he suffered abuse from his
0: parents, but like... And I tried to find some like really early life accounts, but again, he was born in fucking 18... 90, or, 90 whatever. or whatever. So yeah, there's not going to be, yeah. there's very little about what life was like for him on the farm. And there's nothing about any, he was one of six kids. But he was already
1: acting out in such a way really to be young. sent to a reform school. Right, yeah. The
0: reform school really just put gas on the fire that was already yeah. there. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I yeah. think there was
0: obviously some disturbing issues going on with him, whether they were a product of his environment or a product of just his. Or the fact
1: that he was alcoholic at eight years old.
0: Right. That's what I mean. It's like something happened, whether or not that was wiring in the brain mm-hmm. from birth or some sort of environmental issue, likely a combination of the two. Yeah. It usually is. And then he was not treated because who was for a fucking mental illness in the Mm -hmm. 1830s into early 1900s so he was done away with in the system and brutally you know abused Mm
3: -hmm. it's
0: like this is how you fucking create a killer like yeah just to the the road map yeah it's so fucked up Um, so he said, quote, is it unnatural that I should have absorbed these things and have become what I am today? A treacherous, degenerate, brutal, human, savage, devoid of all decent feeling without conscience, morals, pity, sympathy, principle, or any single good trait. Why am I what I am? And that is my case. Oh, God. Yeah. Fucking hated it. Yikes. Anyway. Wow. Thanks everyone for your support. We,
1: so, for all of our new listeners, this is a comedy podcast. Yeah,
0: we swear.
1: <laughs> Holy um, fuck! Not every episode is as dark as this one. I would direct you to nudist crimes. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah, there are some. There are some lighthearted ones. Even nudist crimes was pretty
2: violent. <laughs>
1: I don't know. Take what you can get. All right. Special thanks this week to our fan picker. Yep. MK Hunter.
0: Mind Hunter.
1: I hope you're happy, Mind yeah. Hunter. You got what you asked for. <laughs> but thank you so much for your Son support. Son of a thank bitch. You.
2: Okay. Thank you also to Jessica Lacka.
1: I lack you.
0: Mm, Jessica no.
1: You're not lacking in generosity. No. Dang
0: right. Thank you, Catherine Grant, for this grant of $5 a month. I grant you three wishes.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Susan Westerland. I am wrestling with Mm. my feelings (laughs) for you. Ooh, I like that. (laughs) Thank you,
2: Rachel Gard. We don't have our guards up around you.
0: mm Thank you, Amy Smith. You're as sweet and tart as a Granny Smith, I would assume. Mm. Thank
1: you, Holly Scoot Bloomberg. Scoot? Oh. Scoot. Scott. <laughs> well,
0: it's Scoot now, so enjoy the Scoot. legal change of your name. <laughs> <laughs> Holly Scoop Bloomberg, Blomberg. Thank, damn well, it! Thank Why is it Kelly, so hard? Holly Scoop Bloomberg. <laughs> God, God damn it! Deck the halls with Holly Scoop <laughs> oh, Bloomberg. Scooting right
2: along. Thank you.
0: <laughs> oh my God! This is my new southern name.
2: <laughs> Jamie, Jamie, and Aaron. Uh, I'm gonna Aaron on the side of. Caution. Uh, Caution when thanking you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jamie and Aaron.
0: Oh my God. Thank you, <laughs> Megan Shepherd, for shepherding your herd of cash into our Patreon uh, <laughs> fields. <clears throat>
1: Thank you, Carla Scoot Brennan. <laughs> Since I'm adding this to Everyone's other names, a scoot now why the <laughs> fuck not? Oh my god, I good uh, Brennan hardly knowing. Mm, I got love nothing.
2: it. <laughs> scoot. Thank you, Dylan James Nicholas. The Mm. fact that you have three names makes me suspicious of you. Yep, immediately.
0: (laughs) Suspicious. Immediately. (laughs) Thank you, Ellen Divitus. You're helping me get rid of my ginge divitus by (laughs) providing us with financial support. You can't you'll never divide us.
1: No, you won't. (laughs) You will never divide us. Thank you, Lauren Liticotte. I am getting pretty lit a coat over here on this tequila. (laughs) Thank you so much for your support. Oh, thank you, Amanda.
2: Sanixka? P. Peniska? I'm going (laughs)
0: to skip this (laughs) one for this (laughs) one. (laughs) Incredible. Uh, Thank you, Rachel Zook. This Rachel episode Scoot. had me shoo, Rachel, zook, <laughs> zook, zook riot. Mm, it's mm. a zook zook riot.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Ooh, Kenya gets you. two. Oh, first of all, thank you, Bethany England. That's a Southern Ooh. accent. I can't do how English. How far <laughs> are Damn. you from
0: Peniston? Yeah,
1: how far from Peniston do you reside,
0: mm. Bethany? Within the walls.
1: Uh, And also a requester, thank you so much, Brittany Varga.
0: Mm. (laughs) We travel near and Varga for you, Brittany Varga.
1: Thank you, Brittany. I see you requested me because I'm so bad at
0: this. Good at (laughs) pubs.
2: Thank you, Jill Parsons, for your pledge increase from $1 to $5 a month. Parsons mm. me while I go poop again cuz I'm still <laughs> <Love> thinking, <it. laughs> I'm so afraid of Kenyon and Amanda's you're still, cases. You're still,
1: still primed.
0: I'm still uh, I am primed. Thank you, Maddie Milligan. Gonna take a Milligan on this one and try this again. Thank you, Maddie Milligan. I need a ten Milligan Advil
3: after this.
0: Big time. (laughs) Thank
1: you, thank you, Aaron Wilkinson, for increasing your pledge from two to five dollars a month. We love those increasers. Mm -hmm. And uh, you were not Aaron when you decided to donate to us. Oh. Oh, kicking off our
2: ten dollars a month level, we got Kristen Randall, who will be getting a free fucking patriarchy flexible wine glass. Uh,
0: get it? <laughs> oh, this isn't a <laughs> you scandal, got us Kristen Randy Randall. For you,
1: Christy Randall. There we
0: go. Thank you. We got there. Thank you, Bethany Floyd. I am overflowed by your <laughs> generosity, Bethany. <laughs>
1: And thank you, Cindy Bianco. Um, want to ride uh, your general? I got help me. I like can a, only like think of our high school
0: friend John I Bianco. I know. I know. I so, can't get past it. Relation question mark?
1: Are you Who related knows? to John Bianco?
0: Yeah. Okay. Nailed it.
2: Thank you, Sasha McCain. I uh, was Sasha Fierce. Take John McCain over anyone in the current administration any day. Yikes. Scary mm-hmm. shit.
1: In his current state. Yep. Yeah. That uh, was me. Th- I actually I'm
0: sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we could overlook it considering all the other <laughs> things that we talk about on this show. <laughs> um, thank you, Carol Wilson. We really care about you, Carol mm. Wilson. Thanks for showing you, Kara. Or Cara. And-
1: Thank you, Emma Lyons, for increasing from $1 to $10 a month. That's a big increase, and we aren't lying when we say Mm. we love you.
0: God bless you.
2: Oh, hear Emma roar. Thank Mm -hmm. you, Terry Zatopek. the topic for next week will be
1: revealed. (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll have to be more lighthearted.
0: Oh, that was good. Please, God. That was really good. Let it be more lighthearted. Thank you, Anna Allen. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I first read that as Anna Alien. Uh, So come abduct me anytime. (laughs) And thank you, Jamie Ricker Keoldy.
1: And thank you especially for the name pronunciation guide. Um, Couldn't be slicker, Jamie Ricker.
2: (laughs) Kicking off our $15 a month trash queen or king or both or neither level is Maggie Atkins. Mm. Amber Atkins. Amber Atkins. Did you get my smokes? (laughs) Did
0: you get my smokes? (laughs) (laughs) You'll be getting some dusty, dusty church in the month. As will you, Ashley. Towel. Bring your own towel. Hope you brought your <laughs> own towel. <laughs> towel. to this nudist resort. That's all I could think of.
1: <laughs> I'm ready to throw in the towel, but the yeah. next name is Marianne Stabler, and I oh, hope Detective that stabler. you are fully related to fictional character Detective Elliot Stabler. I love God Elliot bless stabler. you. Also, that you are stabler than the three of us. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, have you seen my Stabler?
3: Have you seen my <laughs> stable? Have you my table?
1: <laughs> Jesus.
0: I'm literally looking at my stable oh, right my now. Oh my God, me too.
2: <laughs> Thank you, Sarah Road. I'm road hard and put away
0: wet after this week's
2: episode.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Claire Thompson, for your increase from 10 to $15 a month. We can see clearly now the rain is gone. <laughs>
3: that
1: was the first song that played after my uh, eye doctor appointment in third grade when I found out <laughs> I had to get no. an eye patch again, and I just...
2: Oh, my God.
1: I was at the the hardware store yesterday looking for,
2: I don't know, hooks or something. And that fucking (sighs) song. And I still haven't found what What I'm looking for. for. And I couldn't fucking find what I was fucking looking for. (laughs) (laughs) I still haven't found what I'm looking for.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God! Okay, kicking off twenty five dollars a month. these folks are gonna get to pick their own episode topic and or case and or wine, and I hope it isn't fucking as dark as scared fucking shitless, but if it is yeah that's cool choose too. like
0: hot air balloon cl- crimes or something <laughs> that? that'd be great,
1: so thank you to Jess Roberts uh I'm saying yes to the Jess yes. I'm saying yes to Lauren Wells, who
2: increased their pledge from 10 to 25 bucks a month. Mm. Wells, Don't fall at a well before we
0: can cash in on that increase. Wells, you did it again, <laughs> Lauren.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, someone real fancy in our $50 a month tier, which means you basically get everything, including our yeah, first Yeah, whatever you want. Yeah. Anything you want, Just honey. Just take what you take want. Take it. Um, is Jen Pillsbury, and I want to poke your belly and say woohoo to this generous donation.
1: <laughs> nice. Last but not at least, I- my joke. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say, I believe
0: we have a joke. Yes. There's just joke in all caps written at the bottom of special thanks. I love it. <laughs> She's adding
2: exclamation point. <laughs> Okay, why does the Swedish Navy have barcodes on the sides of their ships? I well, don't know. Why? So, <laughs> <laughs> so when they come back to port, they can just Scandinavian.
0: Okay.
2: Scan the
3: Navy. I've
2: been telling that joke all week. I went to the Swedish Museum in of Elkhorn, Iowa dead. last weekend, and I told the joke to the lady behind the desk.
1: I'm going to oh save god. that and tell that to the lady or it's always a lady at the Swedish American Institute in <laughs> Minneapolis next yeah. time I go. Get it.
0: We're also going to the clog store. Anyway, oh, that concludes spends. this episode. Thanks for listening. <laughs> oh god. Please come <laughs> We're back. Free. We're sorry. We're so sorry.
2: See you next week, I hope. Mm, bye-bye. <laughs>
1: boozy crime fans this is hannah katie and taylor from the uk's hit true crime comedy podcast drunk, drunk women solving crime each wednesday we open a bottle or four of prosecco with a special guest then sink our boozy teeth into all things true crime personal crime stories from our guests historical true crime cases And we even tackle our listeners' harrowing unsolved crimes. Like getting hit in the face by a lamb chop in Scotland. We solved the hell out of that one. Well, we didn't make it any worse. So join Drunk Women Solving Crime every Wednesday on all major podcast platforms. We're always looking for new recruits and you'd be an asset to the force.
3: Drunk women. Drunk women. Drunk women. Katie can't sing. Now it's time. For drunk women so they we'll cry